Welcome to A Kenyan's Experience, a podcast for Kenyans by Kenyans. In this podcast, we use real, raw, and personal journeys to provide you with the knowledge and the power to demystify, simplify, and make better decisions about your academic and professional future. This podcast is relevant for everyone at any point in their academic or career path, from high schoolers to university students to industry professionals, and even those looking to pivot later in their careers. Here at AKE, we ask the questions you wished you had before you started your journey and normalize making bold decisions for you. So tune in for a once-weekly episode that will leave you inspired, challenged, and laughing as Kenyans tell their stories here on A Kenyan's Experience. In this new season, we're introducing a new feature, voice notes, whereby you as the audience will be able to click on a link that will be in our show notes and let us know what you thought about the episode. Any feedback you may have, you know, as far as content or even like technical stuff, we want to improve. So hit that link, record a voice note and let us know what you think. And we're back, we're live. Habari Gani, Mazuri Sana. How are you doing? It's your host, Eric Shaori. I'm here, part two, with the homie, Mugwe Kirago. What's up, bro? It's good to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, for having you again. Because, I mean, that first conversation was um, all-encompassing to the point of getting to university. And I was like, man, I've... I'm such a bad interview host because, like, I've used up the hour, and we're not it's even in like the <laughs> climax of the movie. You know what I mean? So uh, I was like, we gotta have a part two. Uh, so thanks for taking your time, brother, to join us. No, I really enjoyed the first one, and um, it's an honor to have a chance to talk some more. Bless up, yeah. <clears throat> and you know, picking up from if we can just get you know go with the flow of picking up from where the last conversation ended. You endorsed co-op, uh, got a gift card from uh, the University of Waterloo co-op program. <laughs> Plus your commission, 10%. <laughs> um, you know, so, Brad, what I wanted to ask you, you know, starting this conversation is University of Waterloo. You know, what's your feedback, actually, just for people who maybe have considered it or have not? What's your honest customer feedback after spending what was it i think five years there yeah um yeah man just laid as pros and cons and yeah yeah so yeah i i enjoyed my time at the university of waterloo like i um i was fortunate to be able to build a community of people who um were in my program or we were studying similar things or we just had similar interests and in that sense that really helped push me through um in terms of as a as a school where it's located it's you know a couple of hours um west of toronto and it's um the city itself is a bit of a university town so there's the university of waterloo but then there's also wilfred laurier a university and um Conestoga College are all within, you know, uh, five, ten minute drive of, of each other. So it's a really, um, this, the city definitely has a student vibe to it. And with the school itself is, you know, the camp, all the buildings, it's like a campus university where, you know, most of the uh, school buildings are enclosed within the, the, the campus. Um, and to me, that was actually quite ideal. Um, because then you, um, once you're in school, you know, you, you, you're, you're there, you know what you're there to do. Like there's a, you, 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 in between classes, you can go to libraries and stuff, but it's, yeah, it's really like contained. Um, and so I, I like that campus style, um, of school as a institution, because at the end of the day, like you're getting your education from, from people and, um, building a community of people around you so like you know you're not learning from buildings let me put it that way and as an institution what i've found the 
biggest advantages were um, the school has a very strong entrepreneurial culture and a very strong understanding of what um, employers are looking for. So I think it's it, I found that the institution is able to um, think about your career in that perspective. So there's lots of um, um, it's a big culture of achieving things that would either help you in your career or help you start your own business. So when I say this is a strong entrepreneurial culture, um, a lot of students are encouraged to, um, to if you have an idea, to potentially turn it into like a, your own business. And why that's important is because um, at most, and I don't know that people know this very much, but if you are uh, a researcher at, uh, at, at most uh, universities the, and you discover something while you're doing research at that school, um, or say like you invent something while you're doing research in one of like say their labs, um, usually the institution will own the intellectual property. Whereas at the University of Waterloo, the student owns the in their own intellectual property for their own like invention or discoveries. And this matters because then it encourages people to innovate and to try out different things and to mm. try, you know, push forward ideas um, because they know that there's potentially like economic reward at the on, on the other side of it, or at least they own the IP. And what that does to the school's culture is then you find that um, there's always... Um, activities around like you know how to pitch a new business or how to like think about your um say you were studying something how would this be used in like the in the in a, in in the in the business world um those are the the pros but then um as you can imagine those probably come i mean those have some downsides to it too so um the biggest downside is um or at least some of the biggest downsides are like it's it can be like a very hyper competitive environment, especially depending on your program. We you know we talked about how um, when I was looking for co-op jobs, um, other students were also like you're competing against the other students for the same jobs, and that creates a culture of trying to um, out compete your colleagues, um, and in, in th that can be challenging. Uh, because, you know, when you come from high school, we have the mindset that grades and uh, your results you get in your in your in your exams are objective. It's like I got 85 percent because I knew 85 percent of the answers, whereas when it comes to like things like jobs, um, the reason you got a job offer versus where someone else didn't wasn't necessarily because of like, you know, the your grades and um there are lots of other intangibles and so it definitely can create a culture that's difficult to uh like if you're not doing well in that culture you are really like it's very difficult to find like um um support in a way that feels genuine and meaningful because everyone is just trying to like you know, mm -hmm. uh, compete and try to compete you. So, um, mm -hmm. to 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 just bring it back, like as a as a school, like I would say, the in like you know the infrastructure, the school, that like there's there's so much that you can uh, the in the innovation. There's so much you can gain from from being there, but then the hyper competitiveness and the um, you know, sometimes there's definitely like a you can feel like there's a lack of support. Um, that can be challenging. So. Um, if I was to sum it up, if you are smart and driven and you also have a bit of luck, so say like you get like a, a, a good break from like a job and like something like, you know, like you come up with an idea or you know someone who's interested in like what you're interested in. So if you have a combination of those things, like that school was, is incredible for you. It's like, it's awesome. Um, but if you have uh, any like bad luck or um, you find yourself struggling to adjust um, or you, uh, you you find it difficult to be in like a competitive atmosphere, um, then it can be a very challenging and sometimes lonely place because again, um, 
we talked about how you you're in four months of school and then you're four months working um it's hard to build like a cohesive like community because you're only there for four months um and then the next four months who knows where your job might be it could be like um in the u.s it could be in another across the country so it's really hard to build like deep bonds with people over like a long period of time and so what that mm-hmm. does is it does definitely makes you a little i mean if, if you're struggling it can be a little hard so um mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it it that's 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 my that's my honest feedback i would um i'm curious um i'm curious if there there are aspects of that you feel that i, I could I could be harder on but yeah i i i it worked for me and i I, I was I was I was lucky and I was fortunate to have the community to help support me when things were not going so well, um, mm-hmm. and then when things were going well, like again, like I I I, I was lucky and they uh, the school provided me a platform to really like amplify uh, me when things were going well. Yeah, deep. <clears throat> That's such a genuine uh, customer feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's really good. Uh, that's good. Uh, <clears throat> you've painted a picture that uh, I, as uh, someone who's never been to University of Waterloo, can visualize what your experience was like and empathize. It's like I was there. Like, I feel you. Because you know what? A lot of those elements to your story are very relatable to me. Um, so I hear you, especially with the... the um, constant migration every four months yeah. packing up and moving and meeting new people getting to know them then moving and you know then you go back to school and people you started with maybe uh, are ahead now because they weren't mm-hmm. working at, during that time they were stu- you know studying um so you it's very relatable like i graduated with people who were new to me mm-hmm. like i only knew them for that year mm a lot of the people I started with had finished because they didn't do co-op or the ones who were still with me were on co-op and went on co-op in class at different times of the year. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And then you got to move every few months. So very relatable. Um, Very worth it. I'd say as far as things you can do to set yourself up, um, because, uh, you know, delving now into, like, post-graduation. So you graduated. Congratulations, by the way. Sorry I couldn't attend because uh, I didn't get an invite. So <laughs> for, for my PhD. So, you, yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks. Um, thanks a lot, bro. Um, but how, how did it go? You know, um, mm-hmm. you graduated. And then, like, why did you decide... Um, or was it even a decision to stay? Uh, what came first, the decision to stay and work or the job offer, you know, and then the decision to stay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing just because, like, um, I, 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 I'm thinking back to, 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 that, to that, that, that time when, um, so when, um, when it came to my last year, the summer before that I had, uh, I was, I was on a co-op term at, uh, at the company called London economics. Um, and they were a, uh, they still are an economic consulting firm that focuses on the energy sector and the, um, and the, uh, specifically like, uh, power and natural gas. Um, and again, this had been like such a new experience to me, like a new co-op experience i never i hadn't done anything like this i didn't know um such work existed and so it had just been like so many months of just like deep learning but also had been very busy and like very lots of things were very new to me um and so when they informed me that you know that if 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 i would like to stay they would be willing to give me an offer to, for me to come back um, and study, I mean, to uh, after I graduate, then um, I guess a decision that I had been hoping I could make, you know, with the idea of like, oh yeah, maybe stay, maybe, you know, how, with the bigger picture in mind of 
what I wanted for my career. Like it was right there in front of me. It was here now. Um, and so I remember the company president sat down with me for like a coffee and he said, Hey, like we would like to, we'd like to keep you, um, we'll send you an offer, um, in the next few days. Um, and this is, this is like the path we we imagined for you. Um, and so it, at this time it was, I think it was around July of 2015. So I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to graduate for another like eight months. And I had this opportunity to potentially secure my postgraduate, like future post-graduation future, almost a year ahead. Right. And so that was extremely appealing and they were doing work that I thought was like very interesting. And, um, you know, the, there were lots of things to like about it. Um, but I was also kind of wary of make having like the um what they call like the endowment bias where like something that you have on hand is way more valuable to something that you don't have and so i was just concerned that i was over estimating how good of an opportunity this was just because you know it's like i have it now like kind of bird in hand versus two in the bush kind of thing um but ultimately um, I decided to go with it because they did a lot of work in um, Africa at the time. And so w- there were projects that they were working on in West Africa and like they had recently completed a project in Uganda. And so I saw an opportunity to kind of straddle this middle ground of being able to work from the office in Toronto, but also work on projects in um a region that I obviously care deeply about and even potentially like do more like work there in the future, be part, be one of the reasons why we end up doing more work in uh, East Africa. That was, that that was very important to me. And so that kind of was what the deciding point was where I I saw an opportunity to do work in, um, in, in Africa essentially. And also gain some experience of how the energy systems and like the um, power, uh, the electricity markets work in North America. So it seemed it seemed like a win-win, and that that that's that that's where I ended up doing it. Okay, that's what like that's a <clears throat> that's an one thing I can relate to is the idea of having a job before you graduate. Uh, secured in the bag gives you a certain kind of step as you go to your final year Mm -hmm. it's like your priorities are just different now i'm like look man i just want to (laughs) graduate yeah i ain't trying to put in no extra ot no extra hard work this year this year is coasting (laughs) you know because what else are you graduating for you're still gonna get your degree your degree is not gonna i mean it could say with distinction and all that but it's not going to say didn't try his best as long as you graduate. <laughs> yeah. And it gave me an opportunity to like, and not really take, a, yeah. And it's not like you take the, the, the foot off the, of, of the gas, but it's more like yeah. you, you have a different kind of peace of mind where you can explore mm, and be, you know, do things that you otherwise might not have. Um, cause other people, cause I saw it, like I saw a lot of my, my friends and, um, people around me were looking for, jobs at the time and spending a lot of like time doing it and uh, meanwhile i could focus on other interests yeah and you know without uh like african people like to say without beating the drums Mm -hmm. too much because that's a that's a thing that's a saying yeah yeah you you know what i mean yeah (laughs) without beating the drums too much co-op is could be explicitly the reason uh that this happened because it's with the company that you worked with on co-op and that's the same thing i can say the only reason i had a job offer before i graduated was because of co-op full stop like nothing else i didn't have any family connection i didn't pay no bribes i would have there was no opportunity to (laughs) but (laughs) i had to do everything by the book and this is an opportunity that i also encourage people to just take uh, any resume after you graduate is better than no. 
resume because uh, you know like you said that over competitiveness in university of waterloo um the the the, the you know to make things worse you're not just competing with people that you see every day in your own school you're competing with people from other schools like mine yeah and in other parts of the country you're competing with the thousands tens of thousands well can i'm not going to quote a number but it's at least thousands of people yeah. in your same for that same job so it's very competitive but one thing i can say if you pretty much if you're competing with people with co-op you're competing against uh quote unquote the best of the bunch mm-hmm. as far as this guy's a job market ready compared to someone who has no industry experience before graduating so at least you want to like you know give yourself a fighting chance by doing co-op yeah dude. a bigger fighting chance no no doubt i think you um you hit the nail on the head because you like for me was i knew that even if say like they didn't give me an offer um at the end of this co-op term i knew i had like 20 months of experience like almost 2 years of like straight yeah. up like work experience that i could you know translate to skills or like words on a resume that i know mm-hmm. an employer is looking for so you already have that mindset of you know you you, you can think like an employer uh, because mm-hmm. you've you know you've you've spent a lot of time crafting your resume and like doing activities in a way such that you know what are things that they're interested in and so yeah, yeah. like without a doubt like kids from other schools are, i mean it's true they're they're disadvantaged because they don't have the same um they don't have the same mindset or even if they do they just haven't had opportunities to show it mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> and to just cap that topic it's we're not really advocating for co-op per se but industry work experience before you graduate yeah is really what we're advocating for now, co-op is specifically applicable to international students because you you have to miss school. You can't miss school for any reason except military, uh, medical like diagnosis that you know you gotta prove is life threatening or something, or you know for some re- like some reason to be away on leave. This is like some military stuff. Like if you miss school, your school can report you to immigration, and it's done so. So the only way you can miss school as an international student is the legal way is co-op because that visa allows you to, you're still considered you're enrolled. The school is saying, yeah, you're still enrolled. So the government is okay with it. And, you know, a few countries in the world have this kind of system. I don't even know about Kenya. If Kenya has this kind of system for international, you know, students, because we have a lot of international students in Kenya, but it's a good system. Um, but long story short, it's for international students. You have to go to co-op, um, unless something has changed that I'm aware. I'm not aware of. No, it's a and it's it, it's 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 such a and I think we we haven't really mentioned the financial aspect of it too, right? Because you spend four months where you're not paying tuition, but then you're also earning like real money, right? Like people, there. It's it's. Um, I know when I was uh, there. Um, co-op jobs um, that are unpaid are extremely frowned upon and people don't um, in, in fact it's uh, the school encourages them to not do that um, and so you're making at, at a minimum you're making minimum wage but most of the times you can be you, you, companies will pay above that um, could you quote a a range uh unless you could you know even be more specific as specific as you want to get mm-hmm. but at, at the least quarter range well, i think you can for, i think if you i mean if you, if you're you... fortunate and end up getting a job in the u.s then i mean mm-hmm. as an international student that would be very difficult um but say you end up in like a high um uh like a tech field like a high salaried field then i think you can anticipate like fifteen thousand over here that course of your co-op right or uh, fifteen thousand in four months yeah 
Um, I mean, it wasn't. Un- it could be. It potentially be. I mean, sixteen actually, yeah. fifteen thousand is probably like under three, three to four thousand dollars. Yeah, I think um, that's under three, fifteen thousand. Actually, underselling it because I think you mm. can. I think I think you can comfortably anticipate, especially as you get older. I think you can comfortably anticipate like four thousand a month mm. in salary, right? Like I think that's mm. about um a thousand a week. Um, mm. but I think eight hundred a week was not uncommon for some jobs. Mm. Others, I mean, even if it's like a little on the lower end, like of six hundred a week, mm. um, that's still about twenty five hundred a month, which translates mm. to ten thousand uh, over four months. Um, yeah. So if you manage to keep your expenses down, um, that's like a significant. It could potentially be like a pretty significant amount of money you can put towards like your either your tuition or like your living costs for like the next term. So. That I, we should, facts. yeah we shouldn't undersell that yeah absolutely you see and and <clears throat> for me the story in itself without even talking about the financial benefits everything all the other pros are just you know significant in themselves talking about job resume not even putting like a financial figure to it but in the you're right in the immediate time that you're working you're benefiting financially Mm-hmm. Like you say, yeah, twenty five hundred. Now you see, I'm a Kenyan man. Now one mindset that's never escaped me is converting Canadian dollars <laughs> to Kenyan shillings. I am on top of that currency exchange rate. I know how much I'm sending home every month, mm-hmm. every two weeks, or however often, based on that currency exchange rate, Kenyan shillings to Canadian and vice versa. So, dude, we're talking about minimum. You quoted twenty five hundred to up to five thousand. Um, average and I'd quote the same thing I'd say speaking for engineering I'd say between 3,500 and 5,000 some jobs like mining you're out in it comes with some other uh, accidental benefits mm. <laughs> and you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, just uh, for for the kind of work it is but yeah, you're making. Can you imagine as a Kenyan, you're making four hundred and fifty thousand Kenya shillings, <laughs> three hundred thousand to like even half a million Kenya shillings as a student. Yeah. Okay. A month. We're talking about a month. So actually, for me, that was the biggest benefit. I was able to put that money to some good use. I can say that. Yeah. Also to some bad use. Okay. <laughs> Can't lie. <laughs> but you have, you have but, to live. You, know, you got to learn. Yeah. <laughs> you live and you learn. <laughs> but like I said, it was a good experiment. Now you have the mindset of this is what my true value is. Yeah. Going into the job market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yo, uh, that's a good story. There you go. I like talking about the numbers. For me, when I listen to podcasts, I like to hear numbers. I like stories, but... I like to hear numbers, like in any conversation. Like mm-hmm. I want to know, be specific. How much do co-op students make? And there you have it. Yeah, and I think, the, the, and if people want, like, um, if you want, like, a source, like, uh, because when um, a few years into being at London Economics, then um, I ended up being one of the people who would uh, hire co-ops. So as part of that, it was important for us to know the um, average salary range for that students were expecting. And the University of Waterloo actually has a pretty good resource on its um, co-op website to uh, give people salary expectations. So basically, so that students know um, how much to ask for, how much they are potentially worth. So they give like a range of like, the hourly earnings for the previous year. So for we're in 2022 now. So I think the website will show average hourly earnings for different um, faculties um, in, in the calendar year 2021. And that's helpful because it gives you an estimate. So, you, you know, you've, I, I think, in, like you said, engineers or like people who work in software can expect like $45 an hour. Um, whereas people who are like in, maybe more like research oriented fields where like the pay might be a little lower. Like you can expect like between 20 to 25 a month. I mean, an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can really like get a good sense of 
how much you can anticipate and you can also see how that changes over time so it shows you how much students say like they are in their first co-op term make versus in their fifth um mm-hmm. you can see clearly like a trajectory of increasing mm-hmm. over senior, with seniority where and so um all that said um it de- i really like the point you make about knowing your value when you at the time of graduation because if you've just spent four years at school or like three and a half years just like uh, being in like a school only mindset it's kind of difficult to put a dollar value to your own um your own worth and that's mm-hmm. so that's very important yeah <clears throat> big facts big facts um yeah bro you know <clears throat> i wanted to touch on okay so now you know you're in the industry you mm-hmm. know you're this you know young kenyan uh, you know walking down the six with your walls <laughs> lots of worries <laughs> running to the six <laughs> yeah with your walls um what kind of job titles does someone with so what was the name on the degree that you graduated with mm-hmm. and what are some of the job titles when you're applying for jobs when you know you can look at a job title and know this is for me yeah so based on what you studied what are some of those job titles in the industry and, and what kind of industries can such job titles exist in yeah so um, so i ob- obviously had a bit of a non-traditional um degree because i ended up being given a degree so it was a batch of science um in biotechnology and economics so i had i had qualifications in both um like but we've been you know the question is what is biotechnology it's essentially like um it's a nice it's a combination of microbiology um research uh, statistics um and applications in industry so that's 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 what our, our biotechnology is and then economics you know the, that's well understood so i so i graduated with that and so what that allowed me to have access to was um job titles in both in both industries so like whether it was like economics related jobs or science related jobs um at that point in my life i knew I was pretty confident that I didn't really want to continue. I didn't want to have a research related career. So like the biotechnology side, but some titles there would be, you know, whether it's like a, a researcher or like a biotechnician or um, essentially someone who works at a, at a, who's going to go into research or you're supporting, um, you're supporting research somewhere. Um, for the economic side um then there like the, the 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 world is a little bit more of your oyster because it, then you can apply to things that are more aligned with your interests your talents and also like what you've demonstrated you're good at so you say you wanted to go into finance then you can you know maybe enter in as an analyst level at a financial institution um or um i ended up going into consulting um and so in as a consultant i had i started out as a research associate um and the other firms have similar names for that level whether it's like research analyst or um just analyst um and so that's those are the entry level uh perspectives you 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 you're looking at um but i don't think we should also just be limited to um traditional sort of uh career titles because i think if you were entrepreneurial right and you wanted to um go into a startup or go maybe you know have do be more of a do everything kind of position at a small but growing company then there the titles are a little more fluid like you could enter in as like an associate or a consultant or like a you know um uh operations person right and there you you also have if you're entrepreneurial then you have an opportunity to really like um expand the scope of of what you're thinking about doing mm-hmm. <clears throat> well put man nice 
Um, did you, well, I was going to ask, you know, did you know um, what you were getting yourself into after you graduated? Of course, like it's no longer, you're no longer a student, you know, have, being a student is like its own kind of like visa or passport, right? It's mm-hmm. like there's certain benefits to being a student, such as discounted Spotify, uh, <laughs> premium. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> you know, um, discounted everything. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so did you know what to expect when now you entered the job market and were what kind of expectations were set up on you um, as a, you know, firstly as a, just a new, a new graduate and also as like an international person, you know? Yeah. And at this time, I'm assuming you're still on a, maybe your postgraduate work permit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, if you can chat about that a bit, like the postgraduate work permit transitioning into the yeah. whatever permit. And... So it's, so when you're, um, I'll start with the, with, with the immigration side of it, cause that's more, um, that's more like straight up technical. So once you graduate, um, you have some months to convert your student visa into another form of status. So say you continue, um, say you, 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 um, do your master's or something, then like you just probably need another extension to your student visa. Um, but um, the Canadian government has a program known as the Postgraduate Work Permit Program, and um, essentially, it allow it's an open work permit, which I think is actually pretty important because it's not tied to um, a specific employer. And so, under the Postgraduate Work Permit, you are allowed to work for um, up to three years um, in any industry um, in the country based on um, the fact that you have a degree from a Canadian institution. So how the math works is if you were in a, if you were in a four-year program, um, you uh, the max number of years you get on the postgraduate work permit is three. And so if, you, if your program, so it's essentially um, the number of years you studied minus one year. Um, and so if your program was say two years, your postgraduate work permit will be one. If your post if your program was three years, your postgraduate work permit will be two years and so on. Um and so for me that process was I got it started, I think, once I graduated, because I think you need to show proof of graduation. And so once I got my final transcript from the University of Waterloo, then um I could file with uh with with with, uh, with immigration to show that I want to change my status to a postgraduate work permit. So I had, I, so they granted me one for, you know, the, the, the full three years. And um, why I mentioned or why I stress that it's an open work permit is because you know that um, your, the job options are not just limited to this one role. But so when I started, um, I, I obviously expected that it would be similar to my internship. Um, but what turned out to be the case is, the perspective from their end was, well, you spent, you know, several months with us as an intern or as a co-op. Now we expect you to gain more responsibility because now we see a long-term plan for you. So we want to give you additional responsibilities for someone who's not here on like a, a short term. Um, and so one of the biggest changes in mindset between being a co-op and being a full-time employee is because is that when you're a co-op, you think in four-month windows. So you think, oh, like, what projects am I going to work on for um, a, a couple of months? And, you know, tr- you try and do as much as you can within, like, your fixed four-month window. Whereas now when you're full-time, you might be put on a project that's several months long. Or when you join, they've already kind of started the project. You just jump in and, like, it could go on for a few weeks, go on for a few months. It's really, like, a change of, like, the way you think about time and the way you think about um, project length. And so why I stress that is because then once I joined as a full-time uh, full-time member of, this, of the team, there were a lot more like long-term engagements that I was asked to um, start thinking about, start working on. Um, 
you know, you're thinking from the perspective of now like a couple of years and the, the risk you in a firm hire is either not hiring you for um, a few months. They, they want you to be there for as long as your talent and growth can allow, right? And it's, that's, in their, that's in their interest. And so, you know, starting to think about what training that you they can offer you to supplement like your degree that, you know, will allow you to be a more effective employee. So those are things that started to be put upon me, whether it was learning more about like energy uh, markets in the U.S. because they wanted me to um, start being um, a researcher and like a, uh, eventually an expert on, on a certain region in the U.S. And so that takes time. That takes like years of um knowing and understanding an area but they're thinking about that now they're thinking how can how can we uh, how can we get this person to be uh the employee we want in a certain number of years and you as a again when you're a co-op that mindset is just doesn't exist and so that was i think one of the biggest changes that i had to um i had to deal with mm-hmm. <clears throat> um coming back to that uh you know what you talked about the postgraduate work permit just one thing i wanted to add to that is when you say it's an open work permit what you're saying is pretty much just because you've graduated you finished university there they'll give you up to three years of just deciding if you want to even stay there any longer because mm-hmm. after that then it expires then you gotta make the decision of yeah really am i staying or going um, so you can work any job, any industry, well, legally, um, <laughs> yeah. um, as long as you have that work permit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important because that means you can, I mean, I don't know, man, like <clears throat> depending on how you're financing your being abroad, uh, if you're to work anywhere, Canada is a good place. Mm-hmm. They respect human rights. <laughs> um, they have high standards to and high work ethics in every industry. Um, they're about the money, man. If you're trying to make money, you can make money here. There's 10,000 ways you can do it. Yeah. Um, so you have good reason to stay afterwards and make use of that postgraduate work permit till you figure out what you want to do. Some people actually, you graduate and, you know, some people don't do, you know, some people try and apply for jobs, but other people, you know, don't, just want to take a break. And then other people decide they want to go on and do their master's. Mm-hmm. So I think I like to say, yeah, at least um, <clears throat> have something you're aiming at. Um, and if you if you want to stay, you might as well stay, make use of that work permit, make some money and then bounce. No doubt. Um, but yeah, um, so bro, getting into the, you know, What's it like, if I may ask, now, you know, you've talked about the job more. I want to know what it's like living in Toronto. Which part of Toronto do you live in? Is it the GTA? If you, if you can describe what it's like living there, um, also as an, you know, an international member of the community, you know, do you still have that feeling of being international, an alien, uh, if I may use the politically correct word, or um, do you feel like, you know, you've, you've found it at home? It's a home for you. And what is your definition of home? Ooh. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's let's go in, in, in reverse order there because definition of home is um obviously changes for everyone. So I I don't I, I'm not claiming people should should um should should you should you should all everyone should work on their own definition of home. Um but I feel like um for me, the, the evolving definition I have is somewhere where I feel like there's a place for me to live, work, and um, build relationships. Right? Like I think mm-hmm. that play, where and by building relationships, I mean you know building a community, um, trying to make it better. Because if you have a home, like you want to improve it, right? Like you want to, you see something is broken, you want to fix it and like make it better. Um, same with um, the city you live in. If you call it home, then you know you also want to see it get better. Um, and so the the <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and so then the city of the city of Toronto. Like I have a, 
I definitely have a love hate relationship with this city because like I I've I've always lived within um what can be termed as downtown or at least within like um half an hour by transit of the of the of the core of the city um and that was important to me in the industry I was in like as a consultant I really wanted to be close to the office because I the work days could be long sometimes and I didn't want a long commute at the end of that and so just for my own like mental health and just to help me succeed in what helped me be the best version of myself I really wanted to be close to the office but also I also wanted to embed myself in where I, to live where I worked so that matters to me a lot and as I've as I've grown older, I've, I've found that's important to really be invested in where you where you work, also be where you live. Um, and I know that's not always for a lot of people, but I think if you live in the community you work in, um, it gives you uh, uh, you want your work to also be meaningful to that community. So you want like the job you're doing to. Um, not so much uplift, but also to be something that you um, you feel is has an impact beyond like your cubicles. And that can be idealistic, but it doesn't necessarily mean that like you are working at like yeah, like you, I mean like so, I mean like the I guess a counterpoint to that could be you could be working at something that has no relationship to like you know the the like uh, your city. But I think if you live and work, I mean if you, if you live where you where you're working. Um, you can see links to the work that you do in like your community. So those have always driven my decision on where I live. Um, so I still do live downtown. Um, and it's important to me that like I stay close to the community I live in, even as I since changed jobs. Um, being an international um, uh, uh, international student turned in, like international like a resident of the city. Uh, Toronto is very diverse, and so that's one of its strengths that it has. Um, I think the the best way I can describe this actually is is anecdotally. One one time, I had one of my uh, relatives came to visit um, around the time of my graduation, and we just went to the mall, and she uh, essentially said that, "Wow, like this feels like an airport, just because you see." people of just like all different backgrounds and they're just all in this you know they're in this like shopping space and it's true it's something that we uh, i've come to take for granted that like this, this 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 city is pretty diverse the downside of that is then like you can feel like um that you're just one out of like you know 200 countries here and so it you 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 sometimes you try and like blend into the general like you know, cultural um, cultural vibe of the city. You know, like be like you've mentioned Drake a few times, but like definitely there's that like or, or that culture that you try and like fit into because in a way you're like oh, all these people from around the world are like blending into this culture. Like, you know, what makes what makes me that different? But I think it's also important to um, keep what makes you unique as I can being Kenyan is pretty unique. Like we don't have, it's not a, it's a, I'm sure there are many Kenyans in Toronto, but it's not really comparable to some other like immigrant communities um, from like say Portugal or like um, Greece or um, Italy. Like those immigrant communities are massive and they they have also a lot of like cultural and political capital. Um, Kenyans were not really there yet. and we're not, and I'm not really sure it's something that we want at this time. But it's it's still, it, it, you still feel like you see some of those immigrant communities, and you can see that they've kept some of the things that are really meaningful to them. And so that's something that I always think about. It's like what's what, what are similar things that are really meaningful to 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 us. Um, and I don't have an answer for that, but it's <laughs> it's 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 it, 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 it's something that the city of Toronto has made me think. Mm-hmm. Deep, deep, bro. <clears throat> I gotta ask, man. Mm-hmm. I gotta ask. 
do get visions of home, like of of Kenya, Nairobi. Like, do you foresee or envision a time when you'll be living there again? Yes. Contributing to that community there? Yeah, I do. I do. I think um I think for the simple matter of like most of my family still lives there. And I'm not really ready to accept the idea that I've we we're not going to live in the same city again. Right? Like that seems um that's that's not something I I'm I'm ready to to accept. So because of that, and I think it's important that that aspect is important to me that we, I live in the same city as my family again. Um, that just I think means that there'll be a time. I mean, because it's unlikely that they'll all move here. It's just it's, it's way easier for, for for me to move there. Um, and thankfully, I'm in an industry like the energy industry and like the power sectors and or like the um yeah the electricity sector specifically um that's something that i feel like can be transported across borders fairly easily because um at the end of the day like every country has an electricity sector and um you know i'm not naive to think i'll be able to jump in and pick up where i left off here but I think there are ideas that I've gained from learning how this energy sector works here and uh, in the U.S. as well. And like some of my other experiences that could be potentially useful for Kenya to think about as it continues its own journey. Because every, um, every, 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 every country is unique, but there are also through lines and similarities. Like I'm sure um, in the mining sector as well, there's probably like very strong differences in between what we have in like African countries and here, but there's a through line in terms of at the end of the, the day, the, 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 the extraction objective is the same. And like some of like the socioeconomic and political factors around that are pretty similar. And like, I feel that I feel that a lot with the, with the power sector, that there are opportunities to really think about, um, think about the lessons learned here that maybe Kenya can avoid. Mm-hmm. I like to hear that, man. Can I? I like to hear, um, you know, uh, Kenyans in the diaspora definitely acknowledging the experience they've gained and its value and recognizing that, you know, there's possibilities to apply that uh, in a country like Kenya, which I believe there's a lot of work to do and that's the best thing. There's a, mm-hmm. a lot of, like, I mean, growth potential. Um, so that's exciting. So it's good to hear that, man. You know? No, no doubt. Um, yeah. I think when you say, I just pick up, when you say growth potential, like it's interesting because like, I think that's the story of, um, a story a lot of uh, people in Western countries ha- have about um, countries in, uh, like developing countries, especially like Kenya, where like the mindset is always like, oh, like there's so much growth potential. Um, and I like that, but I also like to frame it as, you know, we um, we have an opportunity to um, learn from their mistakes and really like take a, um, take a, uh, take a step in a direction that maybe they didn't take will have different outcomes and there's, so there's um, basically what I'm, what I'm, where I'm, where I'm headed with this is um, when we, people say growth is like, oh, we need to catch up with like the developing countries because they, they, that's the way they did is the right way. We just need to like get there quickly. Um, but I think there are different models that we can, we can learn from and basically try and not repeat their mistakes with regards to, you know, whether it's sustainability or like, um, you know, how they've treated people who are like indigenous to the areas when it comes to like resource extraction, like there's so many mistakes we should definitely avoid. So yeah, like that's, 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 that, that matters to me a lot when I think about like, you know, the potential of like Kenya, right? It's like mm-hmm. potential, but not in the way that they did it here, you know, like let's grow differently. Yeah. 
Yo, that that is a very important uh, thing to add. Mm-hmm. You know, um, growth potential, not to mimic other models, um, but using the uh, experiences of the past and of other people without having to make your own mistakes uh, or similar mistakes like you know the potential of that information what mm-hmm. that could do exactly as far as creating a different using a different model or different approaches so mm-hmm. i absolutely agree yeah yeah i mean because one way i have to admit i'm guilty of being the kind of guy who's like man this is how i look at business like there's no starbucks in nairobi you know, either open a franchise of Starbucks and it'll blow up mm-hmm. or start a similar Starbucks knockoff like they do in Addis Ababa. <laughs> they just have, <laughs> they take American, they take very well-branded American companies, they change the name, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but they keep like the the themes the same, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so do that in Nairobi. And I'm like, that's easy. You know, they did it here. It's going to work there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's the wrong mindset. Um, how about doing a new, different thing? You know, a different new thing. Yeah. Um, although there's nothing new under the sun, but a different, newly different thing. Yeah. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> a new different. Yeah, I love that. And uh, yeah, cool, man. Yo, bless up, bro. Um, yeah, dude, like I said, man, I can keep berating you with questions like all day, every day. But, um, you know, to, to wrap up, man, like when you look back and you think of like how many years it's been actually since you started off, you know, in your story in high school, you know what I mean? Um, being on the subs bench of the rugby team, mm-hmm. um, never having your moment of glory those days. <laughs> <laughs> when you think of that guy from there to here, um, you know, not what advice would you give, but empathizing with students who are coming up now. If like, you know, people say, what's what's one secret of success? There's obviously not just, not one secret to success, any kind of success. But for you, what would you say are the, maybe a handful of key phrases that, you know, um, encompass the advice you can give? Mm-hmm. I'd say... Um... I think having um, um, having a certain mental um, I, I don't want to call it toughness. We had a um, you you might I don't know if you ever were taught by uh, Mister Omeno at, uh, at at Strathmore, but he had a phrase he would repeat often, like say so say like make sure you have fortitude. Um, but you know that mental strength. And resilience, I think making sure that you know that in the end it'll be fine. Um, so that mental comfort of believing that you'll figure it out, I think is really important because there'll be times when you don't know if it's going to work out or if something that you're doing is even the right thing. But if you truly trust that, you know, you trust yourself to make the, uh, the decision that or you, that you've made the decision that in the end will be the best for yourself. Um, even if it's not happening for you right now, um, eventually, like, you've, you you figure it out. Again, trust that you'll figure it out. I think people um, lose confidence in themselves on based on, like, a few failures or things that didn't work out exactly as they imagined. But if you if you have that like deep honest belief in yourself that you you will figure it out maybe you won't figure it out based on the skills you have now but you might have skills later that will help you figure it out then um i i i find it difficult to find something that's more important than this to believe because honestly like the things that will happen to you that you maybe can't explain or like you or the things that will yeah, both and I mean this both from perspective of wins and fails. Like you have like huge wins and you be like, I didn't expect this kind of this thing to succeed. But you have a massive fail and you think like, oh, I thought I should I should have seen that. I, I can't believe this that happened. But if you trust that 
you will eventually figure it out with like the the the, the, the skills that you either have or you came to have then like that mental resilience is 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 really important so that's the first so basically like and um to cap to capture that um, a mental resilience but also um a confidence in your own um desire and ability to to figure it out and that it'll that eventually it'll be okay i think that's the first one but i think a second related thing is it's one it's very difficult to not compare yourself to other people and like your classmates your peers and like where they are in their lives with your with your with yourself and so um the other piece that i would say is you know if you think of your life as golf rather than like um a race or like as a marathon rather than a sprint like knowing that um especially when you're young um when you're young you expect a lot of things to happen to you really fast you're like by the time i turn 20x by the time i turn like this age this and this should have happened um like i'd say 99 of the time that doesn't happen and so knowing that like you're competing against yourself rather than like other people um can be um, and i say this from the perspective of someone who's like living far from home because um when you're living far from home and like say you had other friends your your peers went to other countries or like maybe stayed home you only really see the highlights of their lives on social media and they if, say you catch up them like you only have like a few minutes to hear about like what's really going on in like their life so you just get like the true highlights and so it's easy to compare you know your own complex long like story with like someone's like highlights right and so i'd say like no if you if 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 you if you think of it from that long perspective right like i think that can really help you during like the moments when like you say like alone comparing yourself um like i think about uh, if you think about um someone's career of like say you work at an or you've done, you you run a business for 20 years or you run a business for like or you work somewhere for 20 years if you start when you're 35 um you, and you're finished when you're 55 like that's still fairly young right like it's still um the perspective of someone having 20 years of experience is objectively a very long time so you know trusting yourself to see it over the long haul is like very important especially when you're living far from home it's very easy to enter rabbit hole so yeah um mental comfort and resilience as well as um seeing the um, you know playing against yourself instead of others yeah <clears throat> words of the wise <clears throat> there you go um good advice bro um backed by years of experience and wisdom gained you know uh from your experience and yeah yeah and um that's 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 a wise man uh you learn from your mistakes but a knowledgeable man learns from other people's mistakes so <laughs> <laughs> so increase your wisdom and knowledge you know um love that more, you know more weighted on the knowledge part <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah yo bless up bro yo thank you very much um like i said everyone's got an interesting story thanks for taking the time to share yours um i honestly believe uh that it's, it's it's helped me you know in my life so i was like this could help other people um so there you go ladies and gentlemen mungu kiragu I know you're not an influencer or anything. I don't know if you want to plug yourself. Maybe you don't want to be disturbed. So <laughs> <laughs> now people it's can so follow good. me on Twitter. People can follow me. That's that's probably where any interesting ideas I have will will, will show up. So um, okay, at me Mugwekiragu on Twitter. Ah, uh, he's a vocal guy. He, he has a, a lot to say often, but when he says a man of few words, but weighted words. Um, so so go check him out yeah no thank <laughs> you Twitter. and linkedin as well uh that's a yes fair one right yep if people want to if people want to connect um i'd love hearing from people with thoughtful questions i know that's what um, that's what i've always gotten in the past so 
LinkedIn is a perfect place to find me. Yeah, man. If someone wants advice, you're open to giving advice, right? Of course. Nice. It don't cost them anything, will it? No, not not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> you get paid. You get paid for the ads, though. <laughs> you have endorsement deals, bro. <laughs> yeah, or like uh, shares in their future company. <laughs> ah, nice belief. You 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 need to believe in them for that. So yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, there, there you have it, man. Uh, thank you very much, my brother. Wishing you the very best. Of course, we're gonna keep in touch. Of course. And um, like I said, who knows? There'll be a part two to this down the road. Yeah, uh, you know? part three, part four. Oh, part three, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's not even planned, but you know, like I said, that one would do a in-person interview. That would be the next uh, level to this conversation. So. No, looking forward yeah, to it, and thank you. No, this is this has been great, and. Um, really excited to hear um, all the other talented and extraordinary people you bring back to the show thank you for tuning into another episode of a kenyan's experience if you found this episode inspiring or even helpful then please do us a solid and share it with close friends or family or even just share it to the world we appreciate you hit us up check out that new feature the voice notes let us know what you think about this episode we'd love to hear back from you 